This is In Focus, the weekly public affairs program from KTBB and the team sports radio, featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. Good morning. I'm Lonnie Johnson. Welcome to another episode of In Focus. Heard weekends here on KTBB 97.5 and KRWR, the team on 92.1 FM. Join us each week as we interview those who help Tyler and Longview residents make their life better. As always, you can reach out to us here at KTBB at ktbb.com slash infocus. You can reach out with your ideas for shows, with your thoughts on what you've heard, or with uh, just telling everybody how much the show is amazing. We'll take all those. Uh, today, my guest, uh, Jason Pointer, and he's with the crisisresponseministry.org. Um, that is their URL, by the way. Also, there are the Crisis Response Ministry. But if you if you need them, there's two. There's a couple ways you can get a hold of them. The first is you can go to their uh, URL, which is CrisisResponseMinistry.org, or give them a call. They have a crisis line. It's 903-385-4737. Uh, good morning, Jason. Good morning, Lonnie. Thank you for having me. I am a big fan of the show. It is amazing. All right. And uh, I think your choice of guests. That is a better start. (laughs) (laughs) I think your choice of guests today is, you know, perfect. There's really no words for it, right? Well, it's good. Uh, Lots of Christmas cheer out there. Right. Um, uh, You know what, though? And that's what I was talking to you before we started the show, Jason. I'm I'm, I'm a kidder. I'm I'm light. The subject matter is not. It's very serious. And I'm I'm speaking uh, specifically about your subject matter because I I went to the the website and I looked at it and I read it, and uh, when uh, they, gosh, so the crisis response ministry I'll, I'll have Jason explain what it is, but they're just very helpful to the community. And uh, w- further along in the show, we're going to visit uh, with Jason about how he helps the first responders and, and how important that is. But first, uh, Jason, just give us an overview of what the uh, Crisis Response Ministry is? Sure. Crisis Response Ministry is a faith-based nonprofit uh, that's based here in Tyler. We have volunteer chapters all over East Texas, in the Metroplex, and even one in El Paso. And um, we are funded, the the victim service work is funded through Victims of Crime Act that uh, is administered through the East Texas Council of Governments over in Kilgore. And so basically CRM, uh, Lonnie, provides physical, emotional, practical, and spiritual care to people who have suffered a traumatic loss, uh, or they may have experienced just the worst day of their lives through an act of crime, disaster, or life crisis. So victim services is one leg, uh, disaster services is a second, and then life crisis, our mental health leg, is our third. How much is that mental health uh, leg developed in the last few years over the other ones? That's a great question because it has escalated uh, so much. And I think, you know, lately when I hear the word COVID, I just shut my ears off. I'm sick of hearing of it. But it really did have an impact on a lot of people, Um, especially the kids. They didn't get that social development for a couple of years. So I think we're going to have mental health issues with our kids that are now in junior high or coming into high school for the next several years. So above and beyond learning issues, this is, you're talking emotional development? Yes. Would you explain that to me? Because I, well, I'm married. How does spending a year at home 
negatively affect just you're saying the socialization of the child? Yes. Yes. I'm married to a career educator. Okay. Uh, it's 30 something years that she's been a teacher. And if one thing she's taught me is that kids need to be around other kids, they need to play, they, they, they need each other to just develop their language and social skills, uh, their manners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, being at home for a year for you and I might be cool and fun. We get some stuff done. Uh, it's not going to affect us too dramatically unless we were kind of on the verge of, of some kind of problem anyway. And that's a different issue with adults. But for kids, I think we're going to see uh, continued behavioral issues and things for the next several years, those kids that, that missed that time because of COVID. Fascinating line of questioning for me. So uh, we had talked earlier uh, before the show uh, about the just the violence in our society, mm-hmm. how it's getting out of hand, how uh, I can't honestly, if I had it, a young child, my son's 20, if I had a young child now, I'm not sure I would take them to public events like uh, concerts, uh, football games, uh, baseball games. It, the, the level of violence and, and the quickness to resort to that violence and the, um, oh, what I just, the people just act like it's nothing that, that aren't right. involved in the fight. Right. What, where, where did that come from? That, that has to do with coping skills. And I think some of that had to do with COVID. Again, that just the average person, I'll, just, I'll use me as an example. Um, I have um, a handful of, of uh, things on a scale of one to 10 would be like a two or a three. Mm-hmm. Right. So with medication and a good job that I love and a family that loves me, I'm fine. I've never had to be hospitalized. I've never needed much. Same. But, but I but I take my meds. Right. All right? Same. And so don't hold it against either one of us. Right. Right. And and so people who have never been medicated or who uh, who need it or who may have gotten off of it, the recidivism rate in prescription psych meds is huge. Uh, as a side note, um, one of the mental health peace officers with the sheriff's mm-hmm. office told me that uh, about 50% of the calls they get were from people, for the mental health officers, 50% of the calls they get are from people who were on meds but have gotten off them because they think they're fine now. Right? So a lot of people in COVID that just kind of stripped away a little of their coping. And so somebody that might, you know, have the ability to stop themselves from hitting a referee or throwing a bag of popcorn, you know, at a kid or doing whatever the crazy stuff that, you know, we're more easily triggered, more easily, much more easily. And, you know, goes to coping. It goes to to psychological fitness and and that resiliency just isn't there. Um, like it maybe was in a previous generation. I think part of it is, is there's no one thing that attributes, you know, makes it that way. It's a combination of those things. You know, you and I are about the same age, a couple of gray beards sitting here. I mean, I remember, remember on Saturdays growing up in Los Angeles, don't hold that against me. Uh, I used to go dumpster diving for pop bottles, and that's how I funded my baseball card habit. You know, I was gone for an entire day and nobody knew and nobody cared. Right. And we were fine. And so as as society has developed over the years, we've gotten, you know, more protective. And, hey, I, I'm like you. I wouldn't want to have a, a small a young kid today. Right. I wouldn't no, want to. I hate being that guy to say that, you know, what I mean, because I find yeah. it so defeating and so so negative. But the truth is um, and, and you can you can do all you can to raise them correctly at the house. But what, what you can't control is the guy sitting next to you. At, at that situation and what it, and also what examples those give the kids 
you know, uh, they, they see right there. If, if you have a, if I don't know if there's any, anything more impressionable than a 10 year old boy out with his father, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's looking uh, at his father to see what he does. Right. He's watching the other men in the app, in the environment yep. to see how they act and weighing it against his father. I, I just, I'm sure of it. I don't know it for sure, but I'm sure of it. And when they see, uh, like uh, a situation escalate out of nowhere. They're just there watching the game, and all of a sudden they're in different jerseys. And all of a sudden they're throwing haymakers that never hit. Doesn't seem like anyone ever gets hurt because it's usually two drunks and they're going after each other. Right. But it, it it's not about what actually the physical toll that that fight takes. It's the visual toll to me that that tells this child, hey, it's it's okay to handle things like this. I completely agree uh, with your assessment, Lonnie. That that the the that that young man is looking and he's being impressed. Uh, not in a good way sometimes right. by, by the things that are happening around him. And I, I wouldn't want to be um, a, uh, a dad of a young boy, a ten, that 10-year-old that I send to his first slumber party or his first sleepover. All right, who knows who's looking at what on what computer or what iPhone, right? Yeah, I do. I, uh, yes, I remember the, the first word uh, my son's best friend Googled. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> it was. Was it a body It was part? cute enough. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah. it was cute enough. It wasn't horrible. Right. They were. They were young. Um, but you're right. There's no. Uh, uh, gosh, to, to control uh, their influence is almost an impossibility at this point to me. Right. And maybe right. that's. A, you can call me a quitter, but I, I, it's really tough. Well, it is, and that's that's why organizations like uh, Crisis Response Ministry, like the East Texas Critical Incident uh, Debriefing Team, like NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, you know, those are all shameless promotions on my part. But those are things that that help people on that grassroots, you know, ground level of helping people where they might be struggling. And so um, I totally agree that today the resiliency just isn't quite what it used to be. The the um, the equ- equipedness is that a word? It is now. Yeah, it is now. It, that that their the kids uh, for some reason, as you say, they're seeing things, and they're so we didn't see things like the kids see today. Oh man, don't even get me started. Yeah, right, we we mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about uh, our schools being shot up. No, right, no. Uh, you know what is a hardened school? I we never heard that till a few years ago. Yep. Right. And it's a shame that it's come to this. And I don't know quite what the, the big answers are, but on a local level, uh, that's why I like towns like Tyler. I came from the Bryan College Station area before that was Nacogdoches Lufkin. And I love the Tyler Longview type towns because you still have programs just like this that and organizations like the ones I mentioned and a lot more who are doing things on a grassroots level that just help people. Every, you said uh, off air, we mentioned the East Texas Crisis Center. Yeah. We refer uh, clients back and forth all the time, people that we can't help, but we know they can or vice versa. Uh, so we do a lot with them and other organizations just like that. And so we just keep plugging away and keep doing, you know, keep doing what we know how to do. Uh, loving on each other, hopefully. Loving on our first responders, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Before we uh, uh, segue into that, I just want to one one more time give out your uh, URL and a phone number because, listen, it's the holidays, and uh, there's a lot of uh, depressed, uh, anxiety-riddled people out there that are short on funds, that have family problems, um, that are— 
shortly going to be victims and perpetrators in situations. Don't become one of them. Uh, you can go to the crisisresponseministry.org's website or simply just pick up the phone. Give them a call at 903-385-4737. Help is always better than hurt. So let's uh, let's talk about the first responders. I uh, Before the show, I told you, you know, I'd met them with, uh, had a fire at my house and they came and I noticed how they uh, huddled up before they went in the house. But more importantly, they huddled up after they went in the house and uh, debriefed and told fart jokes and did stuff like that to help their mental capacity. Yes. And, you know, first responders do have that gallows humor or that juvenile sense of humor when they're around each other. And we should not fault them for that. You know, that's that's a that's a coping mechanism that they have because they do things and see things that we don't, uh, you know, and they 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 stand in that gap and say, you know, if your house can be saved, we're going to save it. If this life can be saved on the side of the road, we're going to save it. If that bullet needs to be taken, I'll take it. You know, they say those things and they do. And so, you know, part of what crisis response ministry does is we kind of catalog or categorize first responders as quote unquote victims as far as our grant um, opportunities go, the Victims of Crime Act, and where that's the, the grant funded portion of our program. And so we have the resources, we have the time then to go when they've had their worst day, we can take the critical incident debriefing team. Uh, which all of our CRM staff and volunteers are trained. That's the one thing that all of us are trained to do is do that critical incident debrief for first responders. Uh, Before I even started working for CRM, when I was a chaplain at Christus, and I got interested in this debriefing idea, I started doing it in the emergency room for the docs, the nurses, the techs, before and after really bad events. And... It, you know, I didn't see mountains move, but I saw the help that it gave. Just giving somebody a chance to talk something out, what they just saw, because maybe they don't have somebody at home to talk to, right? So I made myself the person that they could talk to. And so then I I got uh, on the East Texas Critical Incident Stress Management team. There's actually a team of people that are made up of first responders, firefighters, EMS, police officers, uh, retired and active, also professional chaplains, which is what my background is, pastors. There's all kinds of people that that can give that kind of help to those first responders. Think about officer-involved shootings, Lonnie, that, you know, if you're an officer, you might be, you know, innately talented and gifted in that area. But if you've had to take somebody's life, I've sat across from a dozen officer-involved shooting where an officers had to take a life. None of them ever enjoyed it. It was always a... Of course a, not. It's, it was not a, it's not human nature right, to do it. Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's a grind to their heart. Oh, yeah. And firefighters that, that have to do body recoveries. Um, uh, there was a fire uh, a, a few years ago in uh, Winona area. And a bunch of, I think, three or four volunteer fire uh, departments showed up. Come on, the church that burned? No, it was it was, okay. uh, it was a little bit before that. Okay, a little right. before that, okay. it was a house fire, and two volunteer firefighters, uh, both I believe one, one were from Lindale. Excuse me. Well, they showed up before their rig showed up, so they were there ready, mm-hmm. but they could do nothing as right. a mom and four children burned to death. So you know they they were going to need a debrief, 
right? And then there's the opportunity through CRM and our grant money after a debriefing with first responders for those who might need that next level. We have grant money that covers the counseling that we can do confidentially so they don't have to, you know, you know how first responders are. Right? They're very, you know, if you're a police officer or a firefighter. They're you selfless. Yeah. And you don't want. You don't want your boss. Not the to motorcycle not. cops. Just right. everybody else. <laughs> everybody else. Uh, you, you don't. They don't want their bosses to know, to even remotely think they're unfit for duty. Right. So they need to do something like this counseling. If they need that next level, they need something like CRM that we can do that confidentially and privately. It doesn't go through their their um, employee their EAP. Uh, it goes through us, and the the supervisors never know. What a great service. Needed. What a great service. Very much. Um, Jason, I want to push you on something here. And I I apologize ahead of time that I'm pushing on this, but I I can't ever override my natural curiosity. Um, And I've just always based any time I've been on the air, I try to be uh, genuine with the audience. So uh, this is a faith-based organization. And a few moments ago, you mentioned the value of medication in our society. How do you, where do we weigh those? Where do we, because I know a lot of people when they go through crisis, like uh, I've seen uh, on Facebook, people ask for, you know, where can I go to counseling? Uh, There's the debate of, you know, like faith-based marriage counseling, et cetera. You know, what, where where, where are the different values of those and can they be combined? Because I, I find each of those sides push back on the other. The medicine side, the science side pushes back on the value of religion. The religious side pushes back on the value. And not everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm really scatter shooting here, right. but pushes back on the idea of, of science as it relates to our physical chemistry. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first, you're not wrong that uh, there is that tension that exists and You know, this is just, again, my opinion, Um, and it's multi-layered. So give me a second. First, I don't I don't understand why the Christian community uh, has a hang up about uh, emotional or mental health. We'll take pills for cholesterol. We'll take we'll take medicine for every other thing under the sun. Mm -hmm. And so and and I'm an ordained minister. Uh, with a with a master's degree from seminary, I've been a pastor, I've been a missionary, a professional hospital chaplain. So I come from a position of kind of knowing, being on the inside, right, uh, on on multiple levels, and and now working for a faith based organization. So I can say safely that quote unquote church folks, and that's a broad, you know, or the Christian community, I should should more say, um, have have some kind of unfounded issue that they want to conflate psychiatric issues and separate it out from the rest of our being. Whereas our brain chemistry is just another part of who we are. And if, you know, I inherited my brain chemistry from my mother, Mm-hmm. You know, and so if and I actually did a TED talk right before uh, COVID on destigmatizing mental illness, and it was when I was still working as the chaplain at, at the psychiatric hospital in Terrell. So you can go back and look at that, or folks can can look that up. Uh, that my mother was that foundation for my seeing what somebody looked like before and after. So before, and again, this is just my experience with my mother. Before, from the time I was five to fifteen or sixteen. She was a mess. She was uh, in and out of hospitals. 
right? She was in and out of uh, uh, bipolar, manic depression. Uh, she had, at first, she had uh, postpartum depression. That's what started it all. And 11% of women, by the way, as a side note, have postpartum depression, not just baby blues. So one in 10 are going to have serious postpartum depression. And if left untreated, they could become a Linda Pointer, right? So when Linda got the help she needed, she became a paramedic. Then she became a nurse. Then she became a psych nurse. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> then she helped open the psychi- the first psychiatric prison in the state of Texas down in Sugarland, that was completely dedicated to the psychiatric prison inmate. And I mean, what a success story. All because she got the help she needed, a lot of that being medication. And so I think we over-spiritualize uh, yeah, things. You, you, can't, uh, you can't make electricity emotional. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a good point. And then that's what point. it is. It's we're, we're wired a certain way. I certainly, uh, gosh, if you're from East Texas, I'm sorry. If you're from East Texas, South Louisiana, or West <laughs> Arkansas, you've got some issues in your family. Yes. Uh, the, the, there's some issues there. I, I promise you. I don't even have to go deep in your whole family. I, less than a generation away, it's there for you. And 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 this is an area where medicine is has a huge stigma. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody, uh, I'll tell you that I'm mildly medicated. Um, it uh, I don't notice it in my daily life that much, except that things are a little easier uh, to walk with, uh, outlook a little more positive. Right. Um, I myself have, there's a, you know, I don't want to, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, I, it, it's, uh, he, he certainly gets a lot, attacked a lot for that act uh, of the ayahuasca or whatever it was down there. But right. in all honesty, um, if that's helped free him from some of his trauma, uh, he didn't go down there and kill a dog. He right. went down there and, and a silent tortured retreat. himself yeah. in a sweat shack yeah. and went through stuff and, and, and dealt through himself physically and, and took something that affects the electricity in your body, similarly to the uh, serotonin in- inhibitors. Is that what they're called yes. for the most part? Yes. Um, so it's, it's similar, and, and people want, want to just write off uh, the actual physical problem in your body and make it seem like you have an uh, an emotional issue about it and it's just so misguided and and I and I and it hurts me that the churches can't embrace um, this a little bit more I totally agree and with you know it's going to be really hard for somebody to go through life without any trauma right and so if left untreated that I would trauma, argue a mild amount of it is good for our development right well it, yeah it it does like getting sharp, a d not right. like seeing your dog shot right you right know. sharpen sharpens you right it, it gets your attention mm-hmm. um and i got plenty of d's so i got plenty of, of early attention uh paid, paid, we're both very bright and attentive r- r- exactly right, okay. <laughs> exactly a total underachiever right um but trauma lives in a certain part of your brain that it just lives there and festers until it's treated or until something else happens and it gets exploited or, or, or there's some other next crisis. It could be years down the road, but you don't know why you can't cope because you've stuffed that and we've been taught to just stuff it, especially those first responders. They're the masters of just stuffing their trauma that they see every day, every week, every month. And just the average person isn't equipped uh, for, 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 to deal with their own trauma. I'll give you, give an example, a good thing that happened. Um, 
um, the beginning of last school year, so about a year and a half ago, there was um, a head-on collision in one of our local communities in Smith County, okay. and a a uh, rising freshman in college and a rising senior in high school were uh, the was killed. Okay, and they both belong to the same youth group, and I won't say which church, but. My boss, Jim McKee, and I were invited to that church to speak to the entire junior high and high school group. And it was kind of a kind of a quasi debriefing. And all the parents were there in the back because these kids had no language to to express trauma. It's not something we teach. It's not something we even introduce them to until it happens, until some big accident happens. Right. And and so here were these kids who didn't even have the basic infrastructure in their mind to understand trauma. And so Jim and I tried to, and as much as we could, set the table for them, for parents to have these conversations with them to start building that. And so I would encourage, you know, again, bad news is all around us. And you can stick your head in the sand. And as a parent of young kids, gosh, I don't know if I could do it today. We talked about that off air, too. It's tough. But if you want your kid to be resilient, if you want them to be um, to be able to handle their own trauma once they get out of the house, then begin by introducing them to things. Yeah, as I said, we we become a victim of our own like I wanted to always protect my son no matter what. I wanted to be there. And in hindsight, you know, right. I don't know. Great right. kid, great young man, but I just wonder. You know, you always, as a father, you question yourself more today more than ever. But when I grew up, being a father was fairly straightforward. <clears throat> you know, you went out, you worked, you were responsible, uh, you were good to your wife, and and attentive to your child, and you were done. You know, right. And now it it's much more complicated, and the things that they're going to approach you with, uh, the problems, whether it's a sexual orientation or any anything like that, uh, they just have a much more complicated life that requires more from the parents that I'm not sure we're all uh, gifted with. You're, you're completely right. I know it, you keep saying that. I know you're not right? surprising me. I'm going to find something wrong here in a minute. Okay. You know, we got five minutes left, so I'm okay. going to find something uh, that. That I forgot what I was going to say, Lonnie. We were talking about just trauma. Oh, and, yeah. Thank you. And parents developing resiliency in their kids. That that, that resiliency has got to come from somewhere or you don't have it. Right? It's like two days in football I hated, but they made me a better football player. Right? All the practice that I did that I hated, it made me a better player. Uh you know, fortunately, that didn't happen in basketball. I went to a small high school where you could play all the sports. But, you know, you have to practice something to be good at it, whether it's an instrument, whether it's a, well, practice at life, handling the crises of life, the traumas that are going to come, the things that we never had to deal with that you have to realize as a parent, your kids are being exposed to the gender issues to um, and, and a whole plethora of other things. Is my school going to get shot up? Am I going to get shot at at Target? Uh, my wife and I were shopping uh, yesterday at Target and it was crowded, you know. You know, and she saw a bunch of kids from her school. She's been a teacher for 40 something years. You know, uh, hey, Miss Pointer, how's it going? You know, if those kids they have to worry about is, is, or if they were parents, you know, can we let them go walk around at Target or Walmart by themselves? Or are they going to get shot up? Or, you know, can we let them go as a group out to eat together, or out to Andy's Custard just to, to hang out? Can, you know, we used to hang out. 
uh, when we were teenagers. Can you even let your kids do that anymore? Well, yeah. God forbid more. you send them to a Taylor Swift concert uh, or whoever. <laughs> what was the country singer? I'm a country yeah. singer. I'm being serious. In, uh, in Las Vegas a few oh, years ago, I actually yeah. had a friend whose daughter oh. was shot in that instant. People, just young people doing what young people do. Mm-hmm. And then we've got these monsters out there. Yeah. And I would think that whole crowd needed your services. Well, and, and thankfully, there are critical incident debriefing teams all over. And if that's something that people are interested in, you can contact me and we can, uh, I'm an instructor as well as my, my cohort is Sergeant Chuck Boyce with Tyler Police Department. And we teach the, the individual debriefing and the group debriefing. We just did a class for a bunch of firefighters from Tyler and police officers from Longview. So they're trying to build peer support teams within their organizations that they know they can bring us in. Uh, we've also gotten um, a lot of grants from Walmart for this SISM team. And the, the real cool part is if something happens at a Walmart in Tyler or in Smith County, we immediately have an invitation to come in as debriefers oh, because wow. that connection has been made at a leadership level, right, with our team and with the managers. There's no critical stores. time wasted. Right, exactly. And so um, my boss and I, Jim McKee, are on the Region 7 Educational Service Center rapid response team. So, um, and we've been told also for crisis response ministry, when we went down to um, um, down to South Texas, um, we were told by the chaplain of the state police department that from now on, the incident is your invitation because they've seen CRM and they've seen the yellow shirts and jackets show up at crime scenes and they've seen the purple business shirts show up in crime, uh, show up in courtrooms, uh, accompanying people for testimony and doing the crime victim services that we do. So it's a real privilege to work for a group like Crisis Response Ministry. And I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to talk about that, to talk about the, the debriefing team and all these other issues that are just so important. The URL is crisisresponseministry.org. Thank you and Merry Christmas. In Focus is a weekly public affairs program featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. In Focus is produced by KTBB and the team Sports Radio. And we thank you for listening. Join us again next week.